You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. New birth, new birth. Our continuing series entitled Great Stories of the Bible. Today on Words of Encouragement. Great Stories of the Bible. We open up this new year, year the 2024, uh, and I've entitled this New Birth, New Birth, and we've made our way over into Exodus, uh, but uh, before we do, uh, we're going to be looking back a little bit at Genesis. As we enter in this new year, um, a common cartoon that is shared is that of a baby, little baby new year, and baby new year is helping older new year or older year go away and usually older year has uh, the uh, 2023 would have a uh, we represented as an old man with a long beard and uh, and then the baby new year uh, a baby's birth is always a great occasion I mean I, it's always a big deal uh, when a baby comes into the world and uh, one of the things that just kind of Astounded us, uh, after years of having boys in the Beeman family, uh, my brother had a girl. Uh, and now she and her husband had a little girl named Genevieve. And then my nephew and his wife had two girls, uh, Winifred and Eleanor. And so, wow, here's all these girls. And, and my mom, when, I remember when Sydney, my niece, came, she said, what do I do? I don't know how to handle a girl. <laughs> I said, well, just buy her a bunch of pink stuff. Uh, she'll be okay. Well, somehow it worked out, and my mom's okay, and everybody's okay. But uh, there's nothing like a brand new human being entering the world to excite people. What will they do? What will this baby do? What will he or she be? What, what Will they set a world record in something? Will they climb Mount Everest and come back? Will, will they be a singer? Will they teach who knows? Only God knows uh, the, the, the plans that he has for that child. Well, today we're going to be looking at the birth of Moses. Uh, I think you're going to be able to see God's hand in his story as we look at it together today. First, remember Joseph? Remember Joseph in the coat of many colors and being made second in command under Pharaoh to all of Egypt? It was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Well, let's uh, kind of walk backwards before we walk forwards today. Uh, and let's look at Genesis chapter 50, verses 22 through 26. Listen to that together today. Now, Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, also the sons of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. You may be seated. 
a king arises. One of the first things I want you to see is that a king arises who does not know Joseph. Now, that just doesn't seem to be odd, but we're going to see why it is in just a few moments. Things seem to be going well. I mean, things go the way they go. I mean, a man is born, he lives, he dies. A woman is born, she lives, she dies. So things seem to be going normally here in uh, the Bible, as we see. Uh, and this is the cycle of life. Uh, but in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, ominous news comes for Egypt and God's people. What in the world? What's happening? Some, some, some news. What is it? Look at verse 8. Verse 8 of Exodus chapter 1. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Well, now you think, well, now that's just not a big deal. Well, Brother Craig, what, so what? So what? He didn't know who Joseph was. I mean, you know, Well, uh, there's a lot that is being told in this verse that we need to look at. These words are not good words. Uh, the phrasing indicates that this king did not ascend to the throne in a normal manner. He wasn't the next in line. He wasn't the next in line. So there's, some, there's a dynasty that is taking over here. It says, now a new king arose over Egypt. Uh, so this new king came in and not the normal manner. If this king does not know Joseph, he does not know the God of Joseph. In not knowing Joseph, the king refused to honor any prior arrangements protecting the status of the Israelites. So he, he doesn't really care about them. He doesn't have an interest in God's people. Uh, and so if, if he does not know Joseph, he does not have the same view of the people related to Joseph. So he, ha he, he just does not seem to have that interest that the last one, king had, or last Pharaoh had. Now, not knowing Joseph or his people brings results as, well, the ones we see in verses 9 through 11. Listen to this. It says in verse 9, He said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Now look, he, first of all, he's compartmentalized them. He's pushed them away from him and the people. He's pushed them away. He's poisoning their minds. That's what he's doing. Uh, he's saying, well, they're, they're just, they're not like us. There's too many of them. And, and, and they, they're, they, you see what he's saying here? Uh, he says, behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Those people are more and mightier than we. He, he's trying to plant that seed in the people's heads. Look at verses 10, look at verses 10 and 11. Come, let us deal wisely with them. In other words, you know, it's, there's too many of them, so something must be done. Let's deal wisely with them. Now, you see what he's doing? He's poisoning the minds of the people that he is over. He wants them to think as he does against the Israelites. You remember when some of you know about Hitler and what he did and how he poisoned people's minds against the Jews. I remember in communications classes we learned about Hitler and how he did that. He communicated that message over and over and over, compared the Jews to rats, like an infestation of rats. And there, there's so many of them, they just, they're everywhere and they need to be dealt with. And that's what Hitler did and this is what this king is doing here. He, he is Turning the minds of the people against God's people. Uh, look, continue look, looking at uh, verse 10 here. It says, Come let us deal, very wise, or deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply, and in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us, 
and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them, to afflict them with burdensome hard labor, and they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. And so he has these two cities uh, that he builds uh, for them. And uh, if I had a slide up here, I'd show you. The, but the, the, the Manasseh is north of Ramses. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Pithom. Pithom is, is uh, south of Ramses uh, on the map. And so you, you can look that. You might be able to find it in your Bible map even. Uh, but that's what's happening here. He puts them to work. So the language of fear and hate begins. There's too many of these Israelites around here. We need to do something about it. If they keep growing in number, they may join with others against us. Was there any evidence of this? There's no evidence that that's the plan. There's no evidence that God's people are planning to do this and take over Egypt. There's no plan there. There's nothing there. There's no, no, nowhere in here do we find that. But this king seems to have a fear of the people of God. Well, let me say right here, he should be afeared. He should be afraid. He should be. This new king was making a difference, but it wasn't a good difference. Uh, he decides to put the people of God to work, building cities. He's hoping to lower their influence in the kingdom. There's so many of them, they could talk and, and, and amongst themselves, and they could maybe decide to overpower the Egyptians. And, well, he didn't want that. Uh, so he's hoping to lower their influence. Uh, this work is that he gives to them is hard. It's laborious. It's burdensome work. It's not, oh, go dig a couple of post holes for today and that's it. No, it's work. It's hard work. It's day after day of burdensome work. Day after day. It's, it's, it's a slavery. I mean, it is a it's slave labor here. Well, did the people rebel? Did they give up? Do they protest? Do they, do they march against the Egyptians uh, with protest signs? I mean, do they, you know, they, do they plan some kind of protest? Do they, do they trash the city? No, they don't. Do they give up trusting in God? No. They worked. They did as they were told. According to commentator Douglas Stewart, the lower a group is on the social, uh, the social economic scale the less likely it is to be able to organize itself in opposition to those in authority. Oh, keep them, keep them poor. Keep them working hard. Keep them poor and weak. I mean, that's what you do, and they don't, don't let them, don't, don't allow them to have free time to do stuff. Uh, keep the poor. Keep them poor and hard at work, and they'll be less likely to rise up. Get them working, and they won't have the influence they had or possible scheming that would overcome the Egyptians. There's many voices in our world today. There are many voices in our world seeking to silence the influence of God's people. There are people who want to pass laws against us. There are people, uh, and, and we may be hit with laws that restrict us, but do you know with the help of God, our influence will endure. Our influence will endure. Look, you, you can, look, you're, the very fact that you are a child of God, the very fact that you have Jesus in your heart, means you have influence in this world. For Him, for God, you have influence. Because the love that is inside of you is going to pour out inside of you, and you're going to affect those around you. You're going to help people. I mean, no, you, well, well, just, well, let somebody else help them. Let the government help them. Let the, no, you're going to help someone because they need help because you have Jesus in your heart. 
And you, because you have that, you are influencing our world. You are, you are helping people to know that they are loved and that they are cared for. And that's what happens when Christians live out their relationship that they have with Jesus in front of the world. As long as you walk with God, His influence in your life will be experienced by all around you. All around you. Let me Look, my Aunt Judy was someone who the love of God touched those all around her. People, people knew who she stood for, knew who she belonged to. There were several, there was many people at her funeral because she affected their lives. And that's what you do. That's what I do when we live out the way we're supposed to live out the love of God. And so as long as you walk with God, His influence and your life will be experienced by all around you. And that's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to see. Well, the people increase in number. Uh, Jean Edward Veith says, One of the greatest paradoxes in Christian history is that the church is most pure in times of cultural hostility. Let me say that again. Listen to this. One of the greatest paradoxes in Christian history is that the church is most pure most pure in times of cultural hostility. When things are easy and good, that's when the church most often goes astray. When Christianity seems identical with the culture, and even when the church seems to be enjoying its greatest earthly success, then it is weakest. Conversely, when the church encounters hardship, persecution, and suffering, then it is closest to its crucified Lord. Then there are fewer hypocrites and nominal believers among its members. And then the faith of Christians burns most intensely. Boy, that's good stuff. I truly believe that a time of persecution of Christians is coming. It's coming for us here in the United States. When it does, we're going to find fewer hypocrites. Oh, there's going to be fewer hypocrites that say, Oh, well, I believe in God, but don't really live it. No, oh, there'll be fewer of those. And there'll be fewer nominal members among us, those who come every now and then and aren't real serious about their faith. We're going to see it. Look at verse 12. It says, But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out so, they were, so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. <laughs> Try to work them so hard that they wouldn't, they didn't have the energy to, 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 to have more babies. I mean, they're, they're, they're just they're exhausted. Come home tired. They don't have time to do that. No time to, to plan a family, have a family. But they increased anyway. They increased by having more children. We will increase as the family of God, as the number, of, as the number grows of those who believe and trust in Jesus. That's how we will grow. Those who are trusted in Christ, the family grows. Persecution of Christians occurs in China, and they still grow in number. I'm not saying that some Christians don't die for their faith. I'm not saying that some Christians uh, will not suffer and suffer gravely and, 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 and just painfully. That, 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 that could happen and does happen, but, but there are more people that come to faith in Christ. There, there, there are people who see those people who are standing up for their faith, and they're, uh, they're following. They're following them. They're, they're, they're trusting as well because they see that their faith was worth living for and dying for. Look at verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, The Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously. 
Wow. And they, now, did you hear that? The Egyptians compelled, they forced, they made the sons of Israel to labor rigorously. Now, I mean, I mean, really hard work. <laughs> That's what the word means. And they made their lives bitter with hard labor in mortar and bricks and all kinds of labor in the field and their labors which they rigorously imposed on them. Look, they, they, they said, look, working hard is not enough. We're going to work them even harder. We're going to push even harder and make these Israelites just, we're going to run them into the ground working so hard. To the point of it almost just being impossible for them to get up in the morning. That does not work. <laughs> Listen, that, that did not work. And so the king then gets the idea, okay, well, wait a minute. Well, then, okay, we'll have the midwives kill the sons as soon as they're born. As soon as they see it's a son, they can kill it right there and say, oops, it died. All right, something like that. All right, so, so, so but, but, but they did not count on this. The king did not count on this. The midwives feared God and did not kill the sons of the Hebrews. So the king's like, hey, I gave an order. Why? Why? Why didn't you obey the order? And they said, well, the Hebrew women give birth too fast. We can't get there in time. And they, get the, and they just have a baby, and there it is. And by the time we're called, it's too late. <laughs> well, God blesses the midwives for their faithfulness, and he gives them families or households of their own. Now, in the King James Version, it does say houses, but what, he, what the word means is Households, families, people, family. They get family of their own. They're blessed with family of their own by God because they were faithful to him. Well, the king is not happy. He is not happy with this. He is trying to stomp out the children of God. He's trying to, to, to get rid of them. And so look at verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. Boy, he's intent. He's thinking, I'm just going to handle this. this is, I'm just going to handle this. I'm going to make sure that they just throw the boys in the, in the Nile River and let them die and let them drown. How horrible. How horrible. As long as you walk with God, his work will be done. His people will grow in number. Look, as long as we do what we're supposed to do, live out the life we're supposed to live, share the gospel message with those who need to hear it, God's family will grow. God's family will grow. You, you, you cannot stop the influence of God in the world. And, and, and nobody can do that. No one. Well, let's see. The next thing we see is a baby is born who is favored by God. Look at, um, well, God's people. Let's just look at here. Uh, God's people endure the persecution placed upon them. So we talked about that already. They, they endured it. They just worked. They, they just kept on. They did what they were told to do. Did the persecution seem like it was going to be forever? Yes. If you could ask them, they would have felt like, yes, this is it. This is our days. We're going to work our days uh, the rest of our life. We're going to work, work, work hard like this. This is where we are. This is what we have to do. That's, that's, that's where they saw it. It was never going to end. But God is at work. God is at work. God's doing something here. And this is what's exciting. Uh, look, look, at the first, look at verse 1 of Exodus chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. Well, that's great. Somebody went and got married. What a, what a good deal. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot in this verse 
This verse pointedly tells the reader that Moses was fully a Levite, that is, from the Levite stock on both his father and his mother's side. This means he was unquestionably this means he's unquestionably of the tribe that would soon be specially designated by God to provide the religious and spiritual leadership for the people of Israel. Oh my goodness, so if the Levites were going to be used to be leaders in God's people, among God's people. And God knew this, God had this, this was God's plan. A man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And this is what's coming from this child. Look at verse 2, it says, the, man, the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. So she's hiding him for three months, but that got to be a little too much. Verse 3, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Ah, okay. So uh, his sister is watching from a distance to see what's happening to her brother, what's going to happen here. The daughter of a pharaoh came to bathe and saw the basket. What is this, some kind of fish trap? What is this? She has the basket brought to her and saw the baby and had pity upon him. And she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She knows, she can tell, this is one of the Hebrews' children. The sister then suggests a nurse should be arranged to nurse the child. Oh, good idea. Sister popping up out of nowhere, hey, I, this child needs a nurse. It is agreed that the sister and, and the sister goes and gets her mother, the mother of Moses. The Pharaoh's daughter even pays the mother to take care of her own son. Now, how many of you moms would have loved that? Got paid for it. <laughs> well, that'd been great. That'd been great. Uh, but it's all part of God's plan here. All part of God's plan. Look at verse ten. Uh, Exodus 2, verse 10. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses, and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Uh, Moses, uh, mean, it, being brought up from, brought up from the water. Uh, but that's, uh, that's what that word means, that the name means. And so, uh, but little did they know. Little did they know at this time, the people of Israel, God's people, little did they know that God was sending and had sent a deliverer for them. He had sent a deliverer for his people to bring them out of the horrible persecution and slavery they were experiencing. You know, you and I have been sent a deliverer in the birth of Christ. He has come to deliver us from the slavery of sin. You may be here this morning, you may be caught up in sin. You may be in a sin right now. You may be caught up in a sin that you think, I just can't shake. Well, no, you can't. Because without the help of God, you cannot shake it. You're going to need the help of God to shake loose from the slavery of sin. And Jesus has come to deliver us from the slavery of sin. Sin enslaves us. We have no hope of escaping the slavery of sin except through Christ and what he gives to us in salvation and forgiveness of sins. We have no way we can get out of that. But praise be to God for His glorious gift. Look, sin, will sin separates you from God. It separates you from God. And if you have never asked God to forgive you of your sins, to come into your heart, to be in charge of your life, 
then you are in sin. Sin is what's in charge of you. Sin's in charge of you. You're enslaved to sin. You may say, well, no, I don't sin all the time. Oh, well, yeah, but you, you do sin. All of us do. The, 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 the difference is with Christians, we've been forgiven. Doesn't mean we keep sinning. Doesn't mean we sin all the more. Oh, no. Paul told us, uh, talks about that. No, no, no. We're to follow Christ. But when we do, when we do make a poor decision and we sin, when we make a conscious decision to, to do what God tells us not to do, then we need to ask forgiveness and move along because it messes up our relationship with God. Sin, that's what sin does. It's, it, mess, it has messed up the relationship between us and God. And once we're saved even, once we've been forgiven of our sins, it still is a problem between the relationship between God and us. But the, 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 the difference is, if you're a Christian, you have asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, then you are in God's family. There's no way you can get out of God's family. Again, it does not mean you go and sin, sin, sin. Because if you truly are a Christian, if you truly are one of God's children, then you are not going to have the desire to sin. You're not going to have this horrible, overwhelming desire where, in which you cannot say no to sin. You can say no if you're one of God's children. You can say no to sin. As long as you walk with God, His influence in your life will be experienced by all around you. As long as you walk with God, His work will be done. His people will grow in number. God has sent us a deliverer from the slavery of sin in His name. His name is Jesus. My Aunt Judy lived a life that showed that she belonged to God. And all those around her saw that. You and I have influence in this world. You and I have influence. We may say to ourselves, well, no. We, uh, look, you don't have to be a part of an organization, a club, a group in order to change the world, you alone as a child of God, simply because you are one of His children, can change the world. You can change the world. You can change your community. Because people see you. They watch you. They see how you live. And, and, and they're wondering what is it that keeps them going? What is it that keeps them uh, moving and, and loving others and forgiving others? And of course you can tell them, God, God, God's the one. My prayer for you today is that you have accepted Christ into your heart and that you are right with God because that means you are following Him. That means you are allowing Him to lead your life, lead and guide your life. It means you're doing what He's called you to do. That's what it means. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I, I need this Jesus. I've not accepted Him. I've not asked to be forgiven of my sins. Maybe today you need to give your heart to Him. To give it over to Him and just say, hey God, I need you. I love you and I need you. And I need to be forgiven of my sins. And I want you to come into my heart and be in charge of my life. Would you like to do that today? Maybe today's the day you need to make that decision to follow Jesus. To give your life to Him. I mean, that's, that is giving your all to Him. That means you are giving your thoughts to Him. That means you are giving your body to Him. That means you are giving your whole life to Him and saying to Him, look, I don't want to be in charge. I want you in charge. That's what you're doing when you ask Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you of your sins, and to be in charge of your life. Maybe today you need to make that decision. May I pray for you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, O oh God, for this day. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for 
O Lord, for the way that you have shown us your love through Christ on the cross, as he died on that cross for us. Our sins, your word, your Bible tells us that uh, our sins were placed upon him and you punished him like you, like we deserve to be punished. But he took the punishment for us. God, I thank you for that. Lord, if there's somebody here today that just needs to give their heart and life to you, I pray that they would. Oh God, that they would just give their life to you and that they would walk with you forever. Father, we thank you for the way you love us and how much you love us. And Father, we thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. Uh, you can view this service by going to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. There's a link on the right-hand side. And you can always watch the latest service from the First Baptist Church of Winsboro. Uh, other information is there online. You can, uh, of course, uh, get to this podcast that way. Uh, but I want to encourage you to visit our website, and just see what you can see. And if you need to contact us, you can do that right through the website there. Uh, my prayer, my prayer is that you will allow God to use you. Uh, just when things are tough, uh, God will send someone. And sometimes that someone just might be you for someone else in this world. And I want you to be open for that. Uh, open to that. Let God use you, would you? Of course, you need to draw close to him so that you will hear from him. Uh, it's rare that an old friend will contact us, but a friend that we keep regular contact with, well, we will know each other and we will have communication. And that's what God wants to have with you. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement from the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.